put men on the moon, beckoned revolution with the pound of a hashtag, crafted metal birds that ascend to the heavens, given panacea to bodies that walk the tight rope between life and death. And I'm afraid that our history books will begin with the word sorry. I'm afraid that our history has become litany. Repetition, repetition does not make perfect. And I'm asking, no, demanding, that world leaders make good on their promises. I'm asking that the universal declaration of human rights becomes fact, not fiction. I'm asking that the present not re-gift history to the future. That was an excerpt from a poem performed by Munira Khalif, America's sixth UN Youth Observer. She recited that poem in honor of the International Day of Peace. And speaking of peace, September 12th through the 25th marks the 72nd annual gathering of the United Nations General Assembly. The United Nations was created in 1947 after the world had gone through two horrific world wars that all about shattered any hopes of global peace. For some today, the UN might seem like a parade of ineffective elites who get nothing done. But I'd like to offer you a different perspective of the United Nations that's not often shared. On this episode of What in the World, we'll learn about the UN from the perspective of the younger generation who is upfront and witnessing exactly how the UN is charting its course to create a more peaceful world. Thank you so much for listening. And now on to the show. You've tuned into What in the World right here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming online at WERA.FM. I am your host, Bumia Kinesotu. And in case you're late to the game, uh, this show makes global issues understandable and relevant to your everyday life. If you know anyone who lives in or around New York City, you probably have heard them complain about the increased foot traffic on the sidewalks or on the subways. Um, And it's likely because this week is the 72nd United Nations General Assembly, known as the UNGA. Uh, Thousands of international government leaders and organizations and companies descend upon New York City to gather together to debate their views on certain topics and to hopefully make connections that will advance the world forward. It is without a doubt the most significant global forum for countries to come together. And it definitely reminds me of a very big family reunion. I am so pleased and honored to speak with a smart and talented, uh, gifted young woman, Munira Khalif, who was appointed to represent the United States as the UN Youth Observer. Now, later on, she'll talk about what exactly that means and what the UN General Assembly is about. Um, But before that, let me just brag on her a little bit and give you a glimpse as to all of the great things that Munira has accomplished. So she was born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She is a first-generation Somali-American, and she is currently an undergraduate student at Harvard University, majoring in economics and minoring in government. And and Munira, I went to Columbia, so um, I won't hold any of this uh, (laughs) against you. She has advised the United Nations Foundation on programs that advocate for universal rights for adolescent girls. She's already been uh, lobbying Congress to ensure that girls in developing countries are registered at birth. And that was a new issue to me. And Munir, I'm looking forward to hearing what that is all about. Uh, And she is the co-founder and lead um, of a nonprofit, her own nonprofit called lighting the way um, and if no one's told you today you are outstanding and awesome I envy you and, and all the admirable work that you are doing Winira welcome to the show thank you so much for having me and thank you for your really kind words no problem no problem um, what did what brought you to the world of global issues and global affairs 
Yeah, so I grew up in, in a in a Somali American household where, you know, not only did I, ha- did I have an um, an eye towards what was happening within our own country, but then also outside of it, um, really developing early on an understanding that in this increasingly globalized um, and technologically advanced world that we're living in, the more interconnected our faiths are. Um, and so when something is happening outside of our country, um, it can it can quickly become our own problem. So really an understanding of the importance of being a global citizen. That's great. And I, um, I'm i a first generation Nigerian and I and I sort of share your your viewpoints on that and, and certainly experienced that in my own life with sort of seeing the world in a different way. So when you were growing up, um, were there, you know, opportunities that you had to travel with your family or were there instances in your life where sort of it became clear to you that sort of being a global citizen was important? Yeah, I think one of the most um, memorable moments um, for me and something that really shaped my thinking and, and kind of the direction that I went in was um, my mom talking about kind of the how, you know, education was an opportunity that um, that was more abundant in the United States, but it wasn't a reality for many young people across the globe, and especially for young women like myself. Mm. Um, the the truth of the matter was that just because someone was born somewhere else, their life, their opportunities, and um, their status was completely different, just being shaped by just geography, right? right? And so I didn't find that to be to be okay. That didn't settle well with me. That a young woman. Um, just like me, didn't have the same educational opportunities that I did. And so I felt like it was important that I take some sort of action and begin becoming an advocate on the issue. Yeah. And I I really like the reason why I really like your your story is, you know, this component of encouraging other Americans and other people in the United States to, to think globally. And in your work, how does that play out? How do you bring in Americans into this conversation about educating girls? The big thing is um, really about using your platform and coming into this role. That's one of the biggest um, one of the biggest uh, focuses that I that I will be having will be kind of instilling the sense of global citizenship in young Americans, and that really comes from making the UN um, and the events um, uh, that are happening around the UN uh, to become more accessible. And so, in the week that I've been at the UN General Assembly, I've really been working hard on making um, kind of the events more accessible through a behind-the-scenes look on social media, blogging uh, that I'll be doing soon. Um, and so it's really about um, making young Americans recognize not only the importance of global forums like the United Nations, but that their voice is needed in these global forums and that all of the, the issues of the world are interconnected. And so it really is in our own best interest to speak out and um, do what we can. That that makes total sense. Um, and I think a lot of youth probably today are dealing with, you know, a lot of issues at home um, locally. Like, for example, in, in, you know, Minneapolis, I'm sure there are a lot of local issues. How do you, how do you, talk to youth and get them to understand that, you know, what's happening locally um, is important um, and should be focused on, but that there's also, um, you know, global issues. Because I, I just, to be honest, there might be some tension, right, with with, with people mm. worrying about, you know, maybe education mm. in, you know, Minneapolis or, you know, gun violence or whatever it is. How do you, how do you encourage people to sort of look go- globally when a lot of the issues we face locally, you know, are, are very, like, much in our face? 
hundred percent. I think I think that's a really um, important point that you brought up. I think there's there's two parts. One is recognizing that you know there's been a lot of talk about the global goals this week, the sustainable development goals. Recognizing that these goals apply to every country, and mm-hmm. that also includes the United States. That that within our own country, um, we have to work on making. Um, making uh, opportunities more accessible for all people, regardless of their background. Mm-hmm. And so you can think globally, I think, but also look locally in terms of the action of what you can do. Because I think for a lot of young people, they think, you know, the only way that I can get involved is if I do something far, far away. Mm-hmm. But the reality is there's issues at home that you could be working on. We need everyone on all fronts in, on, in, you know, within all countries to actually do their part. And mm-hmm. so, yes, it's important to act locally as well. And then the second part is really a recognition, again, that all of these issues are interrelated. Um, I'm thinking of an example in, uh, I believe it was in Spain, there was a beach in which a group of refugees were in a boat and they were, um, they showed up on the shore. And there's this really, there's this really kind of incredible picture of people kind of sunbathing on the beach and uh, these uh, refugees coming in with a, on a, on a, on, you know, a, you know, a small boat. And so it really demonstrates how the issues of the world can quickly become our own and mm-hmm. can literally end up on our doorsteps. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important initially, right, in a proactive manner to get involved and to to um, to stay to stay engaged in the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that includes listening to the news and, and keeping up to date on current events. But on the second part, doing doing your, your part, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, really getting involved and um, and using the resources that you have available to you within your own community. And and so everyone is now in, in New York City, you know, doing just that, engaging and conversation and talking about what they're doing in their own country. So the theme for this year's General Assembly is focusing on people striving for peace and a decent life for all on a sustainable planet. For people who may not fully understand what the UN is is about, you know, you're there firsthand and you get to see all of these great people from all over the world. You know, what is the UN all about and explain what the what's actually happening at the General Assembly from your perspective? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, and I think the educational component, right, informing young people about the work of the UN um, and what the UN actually is, is also a really important part. So I'm really glad that you that you brought this question up. So the United Nations ultimately, as you mentioned, serves as a forum, as really kind of a meeting place for various governments to come together and talk about the world's the world's issues. And so that's what's really crucial is that um, you know without it, there really isn't you know these formal channels for countries to be able to come together and to really put their heads together on how they can um, they can work on some of the world's largest issues. And then in terms of the UN General Assembly, the UN General Assembly was initially created as kind of um, a high-level week where various government representatives, diplomats came together and, and talked about these various issues um, that were facing um, the world. But increasingly, we're seeing that the UN General Assembly is becoming much more accessible. We're not only seeing governments, but also non-governmental organizations, so NGOs. Mm-hmm. We're also seeing um, business leaders as well. I think increasingly there's a recognition that in order to actually deal with these global issues, these sustainable development goals, that all members of society have to get involved. Mm-hmm. That it's not simply something that should be allocated to the public sector, but we need civil society, we need uh, the private sector as well. And so that's 
really the UN General Assembly that we're seeing today has a lot of side events. So it's mm-hmm. not only discussions that are happening in within the United Nations, but also outside of it at various um, locations. And so uh, tell me some about some of those uh, those side conversations and and events mm-hmm. that are happening. What have you actually been doing as the as the youth observer on behalf of the United States? Yeah, so I've, I've been to, you know, joining various conversations this week, and I can um, talk about a few memorable ones. The first one uh, was actually the Social Good Summit, and it kicked off on Sunday, this past Sunday. Um, and so the idea of the Social Good Summit was really about this, you know, this kind of holistic approach of dealing with these global issues that we need. You know, they've, they had, um, you know, even uh, celebrities coming and using their platforms to spotlight really important issues. Um, you know, the, 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 the writer for uh, Despacito uh, came, and she's a Panamanian superstar, and she talked about how she's opening opportunities within Panama. Um, Jamie Lannister, who, um, sorry, the actor who plays Jamie Lannister. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the actor who plays Jamie Lannister came and spoke about um, the importance of protecting our environment. And then we also had business leaders coming together um, and talking about how they're using business and the innovation of business to um, progress these issues. And so it wasn't just a group of advocates um, and government representatives coming together, but it was really about just bringing everyone from various organizations, groups, um, and, and, and kind of talking about how we can make a better world uh, for ourselves and for the future generations. And so I thought that was a really great um, event that wasn't happening at, at the UN headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it again, it's one of those really crucial um platform to be able to discuss these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another event uh, was uh, actually at the UN, and I thought it was really powerful as an education activist to be in the room uh, witnessing um, this kind of critical moment. Uh, it was called Financing the Future, and it was about how we can increase funding for education. So there were various heads of state that came together, um, the head of, um, from Senegal, uh, uh, France, uh, all the way to Norway, um, and then as well as global education activists, uh, Malala Yousafzai, um, and so we, we had various um, actors come together and talk about not only why education is kind of like a moral obligation, why it's a good thing to invest in the education of young people and especially the education of young, young women, but also about why it's a smart thing to do. There are representatives from the World Bank um, and then also HB, the company, and they talked about how we can use innovation and technology to make sure that more um, young people across the globe, regardless of where they live, can have access to schooling. Um, and so I thought that was one of those, you know, one of those moments in which, you know, it was, you know, it was not only empowering to be in the room, but also hope about, you know, what, what is being done on an international level and mm-hmm. a commitment to not only this generation, but generations to come. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of, of generations, the, the UN, you mentioned this, this term earlier, the sustainable development goal. So, you know, since it's a, it's a, it, since its inception, I can't speak. Um, in 1945, yeah. uh, yeah. the UN has been in lo- involved in like 71 peacekeeping operations. Um, yeah. But I, th- I think on September 25th, uh, the UN will celebrate an important milestone, and, and that is a two-year anniversary of this international agreement um, on yeah. the sustainable development goals. Uh, and you touched on yeah. some of the the issues that are within the sustainable development goals. But for our listeners, explain what those are. And how how are countries um, or what are countries doing to address those goals? Yeah. So 
So first, I think it's important to give a little bit of context. Before the Sustainable Development Goals, there were early, early in the 2000s, governments came together and um, made a commitment to the Millennium, Millennium Development Goals, and there were eight goals um, that, you know, all the way from um, ensuring that more um, young people have access to primary schooling all the way to maternal mortality. It was kind of an approach, right, um, and an agreement to, to kind of deal with some of the most pressing issues. Um, and those goals expired, I believe, 2015. And so after that, you know, there was kind of, you know, this, this moment, right, uh, to say what are we going to do moving forward, and not only what are we going to do, but how can we um, address more issues. So now the Sustainable Development Goals are really a continuation, but also an expansion on the Millennium Development Goals. Uh, there's actually exactly there's exactly 17 uh, global goals, and they they really address a variety of issues from environmental issues all the way to um, education to gender equity. Um, and so it's really about having a holistic approach of dealing with what's going on in the world. And the idea is if we have um, a holistic kind of approach, if we have 17 goals, not just eight, that no one is going to get left behind. That's the idea is that every, every person, right, every person around the world should have access to opportunities, should not be left to be hungry, should not be left in poverty. Um, and so it's really about creating a more just world, not just for some people, but for all people. And so that's really what the heart of the Sustainable Development Goals um, and what, it's, what they're really about. And what's interesting about that, and, and you alluded to this again earlier, which is, you know, no one nation can tackle these goals by themselves. For example, when we're talking about climate action, when we're talking about, you know, hunger or, uh, you know, reducing inequality, the United States by itself cannot tackle that in every single country um, or across the world. And I think the beauty of this, um, of the SDDG goals and certainly the beauty of people like you is that we have a convening place where we can all bring to the table, what are we doing in the United States to address these issues? What are we doing in France to address these issues? And 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 so I think it's really commendable um, that we've, as a, as a world, um, have settled and said, okay, this is this is what we're going to do to address the root cause, and it and it really does begin with each country sort of working on the issues internally um, um, to address issues globally. Um, so thank you for that that explanation. And while you've been at the General Assembly, um, is there anything new um, that you learned about the UN or about how the other countries are going about? addressing these issues? Was there something new and interesting that popped out at you? Yeah. Um, so honestly, this week has, you know, aside from just being an incredible opportunity to be able to attend and represent American youth, um, it's really been a learning experience. And I've learned a lot, not only about the global goals, but also about um, the mechanisms um, and ways in which they're being implemented. I think one one area that I learned a lot about was about data and how we can use um and leverage data to actually create better policies and better programs. Um, and there was actually an event that I attended that was called Equal Measure 2020. And the idea was that when we have data uh, and, uh, and, and survey people um, from with various backgrounds, right, that we're able to get a better understanding of how we can implement projects. And so I'll give a, a more concrete example. And so, so actually when, when the Ebola crisis happened, right, um, initially, you know, it was, I mean, not only was it, you know, an, an issue in West Africa, right, um, but it was, it was really an issue 
across the globe of people really panicking about what can we do, how can we kind of spread, stop the spread of Ebola. Um, but what ended up happening is that with data that actually included, specifically looked at what was happening um, in terms of women, and um, they, they were able to actually find out that more women were dying from Ebola than their male counterparts. And so then they started looking specifically at why, why is that the case, right? And so they looked at um, kind of um, burial rituals and um, where women were being buried and why is it that there's this kind of, uh, why is it that more women are dying, right? And so by, by tackling specifically, um, uh, you know, women who are being affected by Ebola and, and using that kind of gendered data, they were able to get a better understanding of how to stop the spread um, of the Ebola epidemic. Um, and so that's one of those powerful um, ideas, right, using leveraging data, surveying people, um, that, that's really crucial and sometimes kind of forgotten because it's not probably the funnest topic to, mm-hmm. to, to, to talk about, you know. <laughs> and, and they even mentioned that many times, right, you know, uh, you know not, most people don't want to sit around a room and talk about the data, but it, the data actually gives us, the opportunity to actually create these really life-changing uh, programs um, and to work um, closely with like policymakers, and so that's something that I that I learned um, a lot about that really surprised me about just um, a really kind of dynamic way to be able to tackle some of these really big issues. That's that's a really great point, and I think you're right in that you know people sometimes need to see the numbers in, in order to know what to do, and and mm-hmm. to see just how they're doing right, um, and and monitor their progress. And actually related to that, I wanted to ask you something you know along those lines, which is how how does the UN know that it's achieving its goals right these are mm-hmm. these are big lofty g- mm-hmm. goals and and so uh you're an economics major <laughs> <laughs> and 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 so um i'm i'm assuming you're very comfortable with numbers but uh what what is the mechanism for or what are the ways that the united nations actually knows that it's it's achieving what it needs to achieve or that is set on the right path. Yeah, for sure. I think um, oftentimes, yeah, when we talk about these kind of um, these issues, it's very easy to be kind of qualitative and because um, they're very human issues, right? Um, and so we, we become connected to that humanity. But at the same time, in order to actually create progress um, and be effective, we need to talk about kind of the quantitative measures. And so I think a lot of it is through that data, is through kind of the collection of kind of of numbers and trying to figure out, um, you know, is progress being made on X, Y, or Z front? And that's really is happening. Mm-hmm. And the United Nations has actually created um, organizations that specifically deal with kind of the data um, and using kind of the numbers mm-hmm. to be able to figure out where progress is being made and also making sure that those numbers are used uh, to not only track progress, but also create accountability. Mm-hmm. And so with um, the Equal Measure 2020 event that I went to, they actually surveyed um, a variety of um, policymakers um, in various countries. So they looked at India, they looked at Colombia, um, and they also looked at Kenya. Um, and they they basically were asking kind of in terms of, uh, you know, uh, gender equity in their countries where these policymakers felt like they were, they were at, right? Mm-hmm. And so getting those responses back in terms of, you know, the number of women who are um, active politically in a country uh, to talking about uh, maternal mortality. And so by using this data, right, by using these numbers and, um, and these various initiatives by the UN, we're able to actually see progress being made because when you actually have the data, you know not only where you're at, but also the direction of where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these discussions have been happening and the, uh, these 
talks on data. It wasn't the only it wasn't the only one that I attended. There was actually another one at the UN headquarters that was happening. Um, and so it is something that's really being focused on, um, really about kind of getting the measures um, and creating kind of like a rubric of uh, success on these sustainable development goals. Yeah, and I'm excited to see actually, you know, what that looks like. I think um, all of us are, are, we hear a lot of um, things in the news about efficiency at the UN and um, Mm -hmm. their ability Mm -hmm. to produce on some of their goals. And so I think uh, a lot of us will be looking forward to seeing you know, just how the U.N. Uh, is able to achieve those goals and, and just how we're we're doing. Um, I want to pivot just just a little bit to your your role. Right. As the youth observer, you mentioned, you know, that you've been attending a lot of meetings and going to a lot of events. Well, after this, what's what's up? What's going on? Where, where do you where are you <laughs> off to? And, yeah. and what's your agenda for, sure. for the next year? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a big question. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, so after so the U.N. General Assembly Week was really the kickoff for me. Um, it's really considered like the Super Bowl of um, global policy um, and these global issues. And so um, from here, right, equipped with this knowledge, equipped with this understanding of where kind of the direction of the global community is going to be, um, I'm going to be going to various college campuses um, and talking with young people about not only, you know, giving them, right, the information and the tools they need, but also about what issues are they particularly passionate about? What issues do they want to see more uh, youth involvement? And then on the other end, also using my platform as a way to spotlight young people who are doing amazing work. Mm. Because um, the UN, UN Youth Envoy, actually, um, she spoke about how young people are actually already leading. It, the rest of the world needs to catch up. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's another part of my role as well, is spotlighting young people who are already doing amazing work and giving them kind of um, a platform to be able to sp- speak about the work that they're doing. So that it's, that's really the part that I'm most excited for. I'll also be attending... Um, this coming uh, late September, I'll be attending an event on uh, youth employment. And mm. it's actually one of those areas that's, in, you know, a lot of changes happening, especially with automation. Um, we're seeing mm-hmm. that a lot of jobs um, are going to be replaced with the technology that's being created. And so for young people, that's one of those issues that's extremely crucial, right? Uh, you know, as we kind of graduate from college and attend um, and begin to um, become a, a part of the workforce, right? Um, what kind of jobs are available to us and what kind of skill sets do we need while we're in school, while we're, you know, receiving training um, to be able to actually have a, a shot um, at, you know, creating a livelihood for ourselves in, in the world. And so I'm excited to attend that event. I think it's one of those um, issues uh, that, that, you know, might not necessarily be, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, but it's actually something that's really crucial um, when it comes to young people. Those are some big issues, man. Whew, youth youth unemployment is not an easy thing to, to, at tackle, to tackle at all. Um, so I want to get you started on your big speaking tour um, here by uh, posing a question um, <clears throat> that someone raised with me um, on Facebook. Um, I asked some Facebook um, friends about what you know what are some issues that 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 are concerned to them and so jay davis um asks what are your thoughts about climate justice and the paris agreement what kind of actions would you like to see the united states and other nations that are big carbon emitters um take take to address climate justice and so as the u.n observer um munira what how would you respond to jay and his question about climate action and what countries should be doing 
Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a big question, and I think um, even throughout this week, uh, there's been a lot of emphasis and focus on uh, protecting the environment. Um, but I think what's important to recognize when it comes to um, environmental protection is that we need all members of society doing their part, and seeing even now um, in the in the last couple of days um, at the UN General Assembly how even uh, companies and individuals and civil society are coming together to create solutions um, and, and, and find innovative ways to protect our environment. And so I think one is, you know, recognizing that, you know, there's a lot of different people who are working on the issue and that we need kind of like a holistic approach. Um, uh, and then the second thing is also, um, as young people, this is one of those issues that affects us a lot directly because it's about the world, the kind of world that we're inheriting. And so I think... Um, if this is an issue that you are that you are uh, concerned about, to make your voice heard um, and to use uh, you know the resources um, and the technology that's available to you to sound off about the issue. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think one is yeah one is really recognizing that we need all members of society to part participate in protecting our environment, um, and and then the second is also using your voice um, to kind of sound off on the issue. And and in terms of using your voice, um, I I read a, a recent quote. Um, well, it's not a quote. I, I saw a study, the results of a study um, by the organization called A Better World Campaign. So they conducted a poll last year asking Americans about their opinion on the U.N. Um, and the United, United States' engagement with the U.N. So they found that an overwhelming majority, 88 percent, believe that it's important for the United States to maintain an effective role in the United Nation, and you've already, you know, demonstrated how all of these issues are interconnected. Um, but there's still a misconception that the United Nations is ineffective and it doesn't benefit, you know, affluent and influential countries like the United States. So just summarize how Americans, um, again, in case no one listened, uh, how, how, how Americans are impacted directly or indirectly by the mission of the UN. So I think what's um, important to note when it comes to uh, the United Nations. I mean, yes, there's, you know, a lot of, um, you know, criticism in terms of effectiveness. We do need institutions to be effective and efficient. I think that there's not much of an argument on that end, um, you know, because you just want, um, you want the resources that are, that are being put into the United Nations to produce the best results, right? Um, and then second, I think it's important uh, to note that with that being said, uh, that we need... Uh, United States present at the United Nations uh, to make our voices heard mm -hmm. and to make sure that we're a part of the discussion because when you're not at the table then you're not really a part of the discussion. Mm -hmm. That's the unfortunate part, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we want to continue to be kind of a global leader um, on, on various issues, it's important that we sit down at the table and we, that we work alongside other countries um, and other organizations to make it happen. Um, I think that's really where influence comes from. And also when we see the United Nations involved, uh, sorry, when we see the U.S. involved in the U.N., we see, we see uh, the U.N. Uh, doing a better job in terms of implementing projects and holding mm -hmm. various groups accountable. And so I think the U.S. voice and the U.S. presence in the United Nations is a really crucial one. 
Um, and then in terms of kind of why does it matter to Americans that we're at the table, mm-hmm. um, especially when we have so many uh, issues, right, that at home that we that might be pulling away our attention, is to recognize, right, again, this, this key point of that we're living in a very interconnected world. And so the, what the mission of the UN is to really not only make it a more equitable world, but also a more peaceful um, and safer world. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that's something that we all want and desire, especially in kind of the climate that we're living in today. Mm-hmm. And so um, when the U.S. gets involved in the United Nations, we see these, um, these various issues being um, pushed further, right? And we see really amazing work being done um, on these various global issues. So I think it's, it's really essential that we're at the table. Um, I think the saying goes, if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu. So. Yeah, <laughs> ain't that the truth? That is that is an, a fantastic summary. And um, I hope our listeners uh, feel feel that um, feel what you're saying, because um, I, I think it's it's an it's very easy to to get sucked up into the world of, you know, local issues. Not, not that they're bad, but it, I think that we, we need to remember that our, outside of the United States, people are making mm-hmm. decisions. People are coming together um, and, and they have issues out there in their countries yeah. as well. Um, but that doesn't yeah. mean that we we can't come to the table to, to figure out some certain some issues like, for example, climate mm-hmm. that has no border. Right. Um, mm-hmm. um, um, to really move things forward. So um, you've done a fantastic job again, Munira. I commend you in your work. Um, I see you as the next president. I, uh, I'm claiming it. <laughs> But but tell us tell us <laughs> tell us where you see yourself in the future. Um, thank you. That's really kind of you to say. I, I honestly, there's no five year plan for me. I think what I have recognized is um, one that um, that these issues take time. Um, that was you know that was another point that I um, that I forgot to bring up when it comes to kind of the work of the UN. Mm-hmm. People really want to see the world kind of change in one day. And although we have, you know, technology that makes a lot of things instant, right, these changes have taken, are going to take a while to create because they didn't come um, out of thin air. It took a, a while for these issues to arise, and it's going to take a while for these issues uh, to, to be resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that's really something that I would leave um that I would leave with the listeners. Um, but as for myself, um, I think, again, kind of re, you know, continuing to commit myself to the issues that I think are important, whether it's um, women and girls' issues um, and more specifically education and making sure that more young girls have access to education. Uh, that's something that's not going to happen overnight. So I hope that it's something that I continue to commit myself to uh, for the rest of my life. That's... Um so admirable at, at as a you're a junior am i am i correct in in saying if you're a junior right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I, Harvard, yeah. I was not thinking all of that as a junior i, I promise you i wasn't <laughs> um and so i think harvard i think um you know minnesota and really the united states um they have no idea what they what 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 they what gem um is is in you and uh i you make all of us proud as you go around Mm -hmm. the world. And I want to thank you for just being an advocate and for being um, uh, humble. I've watched some of your videos um, online and and follow you on Twitter. And you bring such um, just a respectable, classy, um, mature um, perspective um, to this very, very complicated world. And I want to thank you for for representing our country in that in that way. Um, And so in true fashion on this show we like to end on a positive note 
um, <laughs> and uh, have our guests share a song that keeps them motivated and in a good mood. And so, Munera, tell us the song that you chose. Yeah, um, the song that I chose is by Sam Cooke, and it's about, um, it, it's called uh, A Change Is Gonna Come, and it's really about, um, you know, the sense of um, hope for the future um, and this kind of uh, this eye towards a better world. Um, the song came out of the 60s um, where there was a lot of um, work being done on civil rights in this country. Um, and so it's really one of those songs that, that whenever I hear it, it really touches me um, because, you know, as the world um, moves forward, there's always, you know, it, we, we have new challenges that we're going to face. And so just uh, re- remaining hopeful about the future um, and about, you know, creating a better world. That's, that's yes, I agree. And uh, you have great taste and you are a mature soul because uh, uh, Sam Cooke in that song um, um, is is one for the decades, for the ages, as they say. Um, and so <laughs> sure, it's, a classic. Um, it's a classic. It's definitely a, a classic. So um, thank you for picking such a, an appropriate song and a positive song for for our listeners to tune out to. So um, thank you again for being on the show. And we look forward to following you around the world and, and around the country as you, um, you know, try to get more American uh, youth involved on the global stage and thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this episode of what in the world remember that you can listen to this episode on mixcloud.com slash what in the world podcast you can find us on facebook.com what in the world podcast and on twitter at wt i'm sorry w itw pod witw pod on twitter you can follow uh, munira and her ventures uh all around the world and around the country at un observer on twitter is that correct oh i'm sorry it's uh it's at u.s youth observer at u.s youth observer um on twitter so thank you again munira and um enjoy the rest of your time at the un general assembly thank you so much for having me this is an amazing platform but he winds up knocking me back down on my knees. Oh, there have been times that I thought I could last for long.